the sensitive man. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Sensitive Man podcast. I'm Simon Lim, and on this episode, you'll hear from Charles Ng, owner and founder of Lean Bento and Folk Skincare. And whether you're already an entrepreneur or thinking of starting your own business, you're likely to resonate with Charles as he shares about his businesses and dispenses some good business and management advice on this podcast. Right from the start, I have actually diversified the business model such that we cater to companies, we cater to individuals. We cater to not just fitness people, but the average man and woman on the street who just wants tasty, flavorful food that is actually truly healthy. So I think that's where we came in uh, rather different from the rest of the FMB. So when COVID-19 actually came in, we could actually sustain the business model. We could mm-hmm. actually generate revenue. It's definitely an inspirational episode with Charles Ng, for he'll reveal some personal details about his growing up years, including how he changed from being overweight to getting a lean and well-muscled physique. And what's his secret to looking youthful? Listen to my interview with Charles. And as you know, I like to give you insights to my guest's sensitive side. So you'll get to hear what Charles's philosophy for life is and his personal goals. Turn up the volume of your device and enjoy this interview. You're listening to The Sensitive Man. I'm Simon Lim. Hi, Charles. Welcome to my show. Hi, Simon. And Charles, you know, for the sake of my listeners who may or may not be familiar with Lean Bento, now what can you share about your eatery? I mean, what makes Lean Bento different? Well, uh, Lean Bento focuses on using whole food ingredients to mm-hmm. create East Meets West fusion flavors. There is a lot more localized flavors. It's kind of like a localized take on healthy, uh, healthy diet. I like the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, it's like mixed, right? You said East Meets West, especially for people. <laughs> People in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think that most people that I come in contact with, they have a very skewed perception of healthy food. And mm. healthy food simply means a northern uh, European kind of diet mm. whereby it's full of like raw greens and salads, raw cuts of meat. I'm Singaporean Chinese and I grew up in a Peranakan household. So I felt that locals are probably missing out a lot on what we actually have. And I think what people want is flavorsome food. Therefore, I set up Lean Bento to actually provide flavorsome food with good nutritional values. Now, how did Lean Bento start? So tell us your story with Lean Bento. Well, I grew up unhealthy. I grew up as an overweight, rather obese child. I think it took me a long time to actually finally realize that having a wholesome diet was like the surest and the best way to reach a favorable weight. Mm-hmm. Then comes uh, my perception of healthy food when I actually eat out. So I find that it's very hard to find food that is truly tasty yet truly healthful beneficial to my health mm-hmm. and even I was willing to pay a lot say for example like 30 bucks for a meal I find that I'm only probably eating like 5 to 8 dollars of the meal mm. so I think that was something that was a very big lag in the market and I thought since I like cooking, I have a passion for it. Because of my engineering background, I find that I could actually commercialize it at a much lower cost. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe why not I should actually start a healthful food establishment that actually mm-hmm. provides wholesome food to the masses. And of course, you have wonderful taste buds because, you know, you've got Peranakan roots. Every <laughs> Peranakan has very sharp taste buds. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, what lessons have you learned from having to adapt your FMB business to COVID-19 restrictions? Well, I think COVID-19 came rather suddenly, at least with what I felt Mm -hmm. uh, among local business owners, not just for F&B. What sets Lean Bento aside from uh, the same many F&B businesses is that uh, we've always wanted to be self-resilient. 
in the case of how we train our staff, mm-hmm. how we treat our customers, how we build our business channel, distribution channels, such that I don't have to rely so much on a third-party food delivery app mm-hmm. or like a certain set of customers. Say, for example, like if they are from a corporate segment or a private sector mm-hmm. or individual customer for their personal needs. So we don't actually depend on one particular distribution channel. So mm-hmm. right from the start, I have actually diversified the business model such that we cater to companies, we cater to individuals, we cater to not just fitness people, but the average man and woman on the street who just wants tasty, flavorful food that is actually truly healthy. So I think that's where we came in uh, rather different from the rest of the FMB. So when COVID-19 actually came in, we could actually sustain the business model. We could mm-hmm. actually generate revenue. We are not really very affected, even with the onset of uh, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, uh, I think most businesses actually saw a drop in their revenue, say about maybe 80 to 90, even 100%. Mm-hmm. We saw a slight dip for about 20 to 25% for about two weeks, and we started to recover after that. Because yeah. you've so built your base already, right, for quite some time. Yeah. Yes, and we actually transited from B to C to B to B, as well as we had a rather favorable online presence right from the start since about maybe six years ago. Now, what do you think are the most popular items on Lean Bento's menu? In other words, your best sellers. My best seller has got to be our roast chicken and salmon bentos. Ooh, <laughs> sounds so delicious, a roast chicken. Okay, and salmon bento, right? Yes. You're listening to The Sensitive Man. I'm Simon Lim. Now, Charles, what do you think consumers need to know about the term healthy food? I mean, what are some do's and don'ts? The word healthy is quite loosely used, I would say, mm. because I think anything that is perceived as healthy, it could range from having a, a raw salad or a few pieces of leaf on your plate and you actually call it healthy. But Lean Bento actually uses the term healthful. So helpful has a lot of scientific connotations to it, such as its nutritional value, where the sources of the food is from, and how wholesome the raw ingredients are. Mm. So I think that consumers need to understand at a deeper level what is visually uh, perceived as healthy, you know, what goes behind, look into the sources, look into where it's made, mm. look at where the ingredients are from, you know, question, question the businesses. You know, I'm open for my customers to question me about where my ingredients are from, how we process the ingredients, how we cook the ingredients. So I think that's what consumers this need to understand when they are actually specifically looking for inverted commas food that is like healthy so tell me a bit more about the Muscles meal plan menu by Lean Bento because you know I think these days uh, people are very health conscious and everyone's talking about you know uh, being lean and mean (laughs) so (laughs) what is that Muscles meal plan menu okay so Muscle meal plan menu focuses on a higher protein intake when I designed the menu for Lean Bento is that we still go for a rather balanced diet Mm. What I mean balance is that you have a good proportion of uh, protein, carbohydrates, fiber, and healthy fat. So when it comes to a muscle meal plan, it is closely tied into, I would say, a sporty, active individual who requires slightly more caloric intake. Mm-hmm. Most of my muscle meals are like probably about 600 calories or so, which is still less than a, a large burger, I would say. <laughs> when we talk about like about 600 calories, a lot of the calories, percentage of calories actually would be contributed by protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lean protein, good quality protein. So we're not talking about protein that contains high amounts of fat mm-hmm. because proteins don't exist alone. Proteins come from whole food and whole food, they do have a carbohydrate or a fat component that's usually attached to it. Muscle meal plan, this menu will be a menu that was designed to deliver a good mix of macronutrients, which is your carbohydrates, fiber, your carbs and your fat. 
but with a higher amount of protein that is allocated because of the person's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Could you give an example of good carbohydrates for our listeners? Good carbohydrates, uh, from my understanding and my practice, it will be from whole foods. So I wouldn't say that carbohydrates from grounded down flour or noodles or even like beef wool, they are considered good carbohydrates. I think they are rather all right carbohydrates. I mean, it's kind of like slightly processed, Mm. you know. So I think good carbohydrates for my personal choices, it will fall into like root vegetables such as carrots, tomatoes potatoes, yam, and even multigrain rice, brown rice. These are really good forms of carbohydrates that I personally would take and I would recommend my friends and even to put them out in a palatable form to my customers. That is indeed very useful, insightful for listeners who don't know about that, who never knew about that. <laughs> yeah, Charles, tell me what does good well-being mean to you? I mean, you obviously look very fit, right? So what does good well-being mean to you? I think good well-being, just like a balanced diet, it is not just about how much of a lean mass or muscle mass you have. Good well-being simply means that we are also emotionally stable, we are mentally clear, and besides having good looking, you know, the word, the keyword looking, physique, it also has to come with a good sense of agility and flexibility. Mm. So I think from a psychological perspective, from a physical perspective, And the thought process of being kind, being helpful to someone else, all this added up would be my idea of good well-being. And of course, uh, people who look at your photos will realise that you look perfectly fit with your lean and muscle physique. So what's your routine for your food intake and exercise regimen? Most of my friends, they do ask me this question, what do you eat or how do you eat? So I think the heaviest meals that I have in the day would be only my breakfast and my lunch. So I would actually take approximately 500 to 600 calories for that. Yeah. So I take about four meals a day because of my uh, physical activity. So it adds up to be about 1,008 to 2,004 calories in a day. Wow. Yeah. So this is in proportion to my body mass and my height. I'm about 175. You know, so if someone that's taller will probably need more calorie intake. So I think that's a, probably a better gauge for calorie intake and how much actually you eat and how often you eat because I think everybody's actually made differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that as a basic uh, gauge. Usually what I do is that I'll try to have three to four meals a day just to kind of like spread out Mm -hmm. uh, my calorie intake so I don't feel overly stuffed. (laughs) And do you work out like daily? Um, I would actually work out daily. I would start off with like very basic uh, pull-ups and Mm push-ups in the morning but I don't actually visit the gym every day. So Mm -hmm. I would keep to about three to five times a week and not all sessions would be resistance training which is with the use of weights. Mm. So I would usually have about three sessions of resistance training that's weight training and two sessions of cardiovascular training because it again ties back to agility, movement as well as muscular strength. So different kinds of workouts they would actually train us our psychomotor skills and also our mental clarity. So I would like a mix of that. Well, I think that you're an inspiration to plenty of guys out there who look at your photo and they say, you know, I just want to be like him, like Charles. Thank you so much, Simon. You're listening to The Sensitive Man. I'm Simon Lim. Charles, you're a guy who's always on the go and hardworking. So what time do you wake up and go to bed? I mean, what's your idea of managing time in today's world? 
Well, I try to go to bed by 12, but often it kind of like stretches uh, okay. to 1. <laughs> so the question <laughs> is, are you a morning person or not? Um, actually, I really love the morning. Oh, I'm wow. Really you only get like 6 hours of sleep or 7 hours? Um, I try to catch about 7 hours of sleep. Okay. Um, 6 hours is my minimum, but when you're someone in your mid-40s, I don't really think that you should actually sleep less than 7 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> what about managing your time, you know? How do you manage your time? Well, there will be so many things coming at me every day, mm. you know, even on a Sunday. So I think that my idea of time management in the course of my lifestyle would be actually to prioritize. Because I think everything is important, everything is urgent, and everything needs to be attended to. And someone who likes to multitask and to bite uh, more than what I could chew, I thought, uh, just prioritizing the days would be the best way for me to manage my time. Mm. That's good advice for our listeners. Now, what keeps you going in your business? In other words, where do you think you get your inner drive? Well, the drive that I have in what I do, not just business, but how I run my life, mm. uh, a lot of time it comes from the positivity that radiates from within. Mm-hmm. Because I think the only person who can motivate, the only person who wants you to wake up every day to do your best is none other than yourself. Simply because at the end of the day, you listen to your own emotions, you set your own target. I think the passion to run everything from the basic things of like how I brush my teeth to how I tie my shoelaces. You know, everybody could do the same thing, Mm. but just how well you want to do it for yourself. And because you do it for yourself, you love your life and yourself. You are able to extend that kind of love and that kind of motivation to keep people around you going. Mm. And I think that we don't live in this world alone. So it could be the janitor that I meet, it could be the newly recruited staff that I have, or even my parents. I would like them to be a better version of themselves, not drastically, but just a little bit every single day. And we'll eventually get there. Mm -hmm. So that has always been my motivating factor. And that's what keeps me going all this while. It's not just passion alone, but it's the will and the idea of wanting myself to be better and to influence and to help someone be better. That's great. No motivating others at the same time. Now, who in your life has been exemplary and a good mentor to you? I mean, uh, what did he or she say that really sticks in your mind? I would say my grandmother. I was brought up by my Peranakan grandmother. Mm -hmm. She was a humble housewife. She has never worked a day in her life other than being a housewife. I would say she's a very good manager at home. She taught me how to manage. She taught me how to be a hands-on person and education wasn't the only thing that should be the priority of my life when Mm -hmm. I was growing up. Yeah, she made me do every single housework. She made me cook every single thing that she cooked. Wow. Um, She made me realize how wrong it was for me to bully someone else. She made me realize how I should never, ever be discriminatory against someone else. So I thought that was a very important life skill for me. And even she has even influenced my parents on how they bring me up as a person. So I think that a lot of things can be traced back to my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful. We, we grew up really poor, but I thought that what made me feel very wealthy was the wealth of character nurturing. I thought that was something which I would never forget. She sounds like an incredible, amazing woman. Uh, she is. She is definitely. I, I still miss her a lot. She just passed away last year. Sorry to hear that. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. 
but I felt that I will live my life to the best, not just because of her, but I think because of the people that she know that I would make a good change of their lives. I, I thought that would be something really nice uh, that I could do with my life. So if there was something that she said, like a phrase, right, that you'll always remember in your heart, right, what would that phrase be? Um, I grew up as a very lazy person. Okay. <laughs> said, if you're going to continue being lazy, you would have wasted your life. And you would have never earned the chance to change someone else's life for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is a very selfless lady. Very good advice. And, you know, <laughs> I can hear that she's a very wise person. I thought she was a very wise lady because she has never had practical working experience. But she was definitely a very good observer and she was a very good mentor to her children, who are my uncle, aunties and my parents. So I think I was a a beneficiary of Mm -hmm. the kindness. So wonderful to hear about your story with your grandmother, Charles. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And you know, in life, we need to manage all kinds of people, people at work, people in the family, and sometimes friends, right? So what's one thing that you've learned about managing people and managing yourself? Uh, I would say keep your ego aside, yeah. I grew up as a very insecure person because Mm -hmm. I was often bullied in school. Uh, I was overweight. I wasn't exceptional at all in anything that I do. So I think there was a lot of angst when I was uh, growing up Mm -hmm. as as a young person. I was rather short-tempered. Mm. So every time when something happens, I would always question and to, you know, like put the blame on someone else. But I think life has given me very painful and very valuable lessons to make me realize that when a situation occurs, it is never one person's fault. It is always everyone's contribution to that particular issue. Mm-hmm. So nothing's going to change. We can't rewind time. But what we can do is to look forward. I would say uh, put less of your ego, put it aside. Let's talk about how we can actually avoid certain situations from happening again Mm -hmm. and to listen to each other's opinion because everybody has their own point of view. So I think that if we could reconcile that, I think that would be a wonderful family to be in. I'm not talking about just the family that we are related by blood, but I think the friends, the colleagues, the people that's living in your community Mm. are your family because you only have each other to depend on when crisis happens and COVID-19 only shows us that. That's true. The Sensitive Man Now, Charles, let's talk about your other business. So tell us what Folk Skincare is about in a nutshell. Alright, so Folk Skincare, as the name suggests, is about skincare for people. Folk Skincare was actually the precursor, the skincare version of Lean Bento. Mm. So basically, Folk Skincare focuses on using botanical extracts to formulate skincare products and skincare treatments. So I've been doing that for about 20 years. So without Folk Skincare, there would not be Lean Bento. So Lean Bento is actually a food F&B derivative of Folk Skincare. Now, in plant-based skincare, what are two good ingredients perhaps that you can share with our listeners, you know, Something that they should know. What are the benefits? My favorite skincare ingredient to use would be apricot kernels. So apricot kernels are actually apricot kernel oil Mm -hmm. uh, that was extracted from the apricot seed. So basically it has very good moisturizing and anti-aging properties. I would think it's a very underappreciated ingredient in the cosmetic industry. Mm. It's so natural. It anti-ages the skin and it's a very good moisturizer that you can even add into your cleanser, your scrubs and your mask. So I live by that. I have it on my face every day. No wonder you look so young all the time. Thank you so much. So what is one other important ingredient that everyone must have, you know? Um, I use a lot of Fuller's Earth in my skincare formulation. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Kulasov is basically a clay ingredient from the Himalayan region. So I use a lot of that in combination with red algae extract. So I think they are very, very good ingredients to rejuvenate the skin and to make the skin young without an over-regeneration because I don't believe in overdoing something mm-hmm. and overdo something, the skin cells do get maxed out and they look tired. Mm-hmm. Keeping things simple. <laughs> yes, correct. It's actually really hard to be simple but effective because you have to do that simplicity really well, So, which translates into how plant extracts are being extracted out of the raw plant ingredient itself. So the integrity of the ingredient is very important mm-hmm. for skincare products as well as for food. Charles, what do you think is the best thing about using advances in technology for folk skincare? I think in recent years, I've been using artificial intelligence to help me formulate skincare products and skincare treatments. So artificial intelligence is an extension of what I have used before, which is called data collection. How does that work? So data collection basically analyzes data from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. So just think of it as a very, maybe a simplified graph chart. Yeah, correct. So it will tell you the certain behavioral characteristics of a particular ingredient or a particular skincare formulation. But artificial intelligence is an extension of that. Artificial intelligence basically helps you to collect the information and to make intuitive suggestions Mm. and scenarios, just like how a human brain works. So from there, it will be so much easier for me to actually pick out more efficacious formulations, uh, more effective and proven to be safe to use uh, plant ingredients. So from there, I'm able to simulate how it actually reacts on human skin across different genders, ethnicity, different skin colour different skin types as well. That's awesome. AI in folk skincare, yeah? That's why it's called folk skincare. Now, having to manage both a skincare as well as food and beverage business, what do you think is needed for business survival today? Innovation as well as resilience. Lots of resilience, yeah? Yeah. Resilience is to actually be very firm about the sense of direction in terms of business direction, in terms of R&D, in terms of how are you going to nurture your operations because they're all closely related and packed in together. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about innovation, you also these days it extends to not just having a business online, but how are you going to speak to the audience online and what are you going to communicate to the audience online. So I think that falls under innovation. That's very important, innovation in how you uh, position your products, you know, uh, or your treatments, right, to the consumers because they've got to know what's in it for me. Yes, that's right. I think users these days, they are extremely savvy uh, as compared to, say, 10 years ago. Mm. But being savvy is not a bad thing because as a creator of products, creator of uh, recipes, or creator of brands, it allows me to wield my artistic aspirations, you know. I would actually be able to introduce something that's a lot more fun, a lot more advanced, to answer to their questions, to cater to their expectations, as well as to create things that I had never even thought of before I started my business. So I think it inspires me. So it's kind of like there's a synergy there. The Sensitive Man Charles, having to manage both a skincare as well as food and beverage business, what do you think is needed for business survival today? I think two things will be required for a survival of a business today. Mm-hmm. Number one, innovation. And number two, resilience. Innovation because we have to continually innovate, push out new products, uh, good products, fruitful products, you know, purposeful products, mm-hmm. you know, and to meet the lifestyle, evolving lifestyle expectations of our customers. 
sometimes when customers are savvy, some business might look at customers like you're really savvy, mm. but I think it's very, very hard for me to meet your expectation. But mm. on the other hand, when I actually look at the savviness of a customer, I think it's an avenue for me to wield my artistic creation, you know, when it comes to products, treatments, or even a recipe. So I don't have to educate them so much about why I'm doing this. I could just go ahead and create something and to share that creation with them and it gets picked up. Something which I really appreciate a lot on how our consumers have grown over the past 10, 20 years. Singaporean consumers as well as those living in Singapore and the world at large, I think uh, they've grown more sophisticated somehow. And like mm. you said, you know, they're more savvy, they're smart, they know what information to look for and they know what they want. <laughs> yes, yes. Innovation is definitely closely tied with resilience. Why I say so is because for a business to survive, you need to always be resilient enough to generate ideas, create ideas, entertain ideas, you know, the resilience to pick up new skills because picking up something new is always painful. Mm. You know, going online is a very painful thing for many people or many businesses, even until today. You know, and we have things like podcasts, we have things like live streaming coming on, you know. So how are you going to evolve your business? How are you going to be resilient enough to change your operation, change your company culture, or rather to evolve your company culture, to be resilient enough to dance to the emerging and evolving trends that our world is in now. So Mm -hmm. I think they are very closely tied together, resilience and innovation. And we're all learning at different stages of life. So what do you enjoy reading or perhaps consuming, you know, to widen your own knowledge? I like to read Facebook, actually. I do subscribe to many good resources when it comes to design thinking, when it comes to recipes, when Mm. it comes to beauty. I love architecture. And architecture comes in with like uh, creation of uh, using spaces and the principles of creating creative use of spaces helps me to create, set the, the tone on how I create my products and how I creatively nurture the strengths and weaknesses of my staff. You know, so these are very useful and helpful resources mm-hmm. just from Facebook alone. And there's also YouTube channels that I subscribe to. You know, there are very available resources around us these days. But I think none of them actually beats the real people that I come in contact with. Mm-hmm. So they give me the best practical knowledge. And I derive this from my grandmother. She taught me, she says that don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to understand people. Don't be afraid to respect people for what they do, how they live their lives, because there's always something that you can learn and something that you can derive out of what their life experiences are. And they are very valuable. Wonderful grandma's advice. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I love that. So how would you describe yourself, especially, you know, for people who see you on social media but don't really know you? Well, I think a lot of people might think that I'm probably in the fitness industry given that I post a lot of photos of myself (laughs) working out at the pool or like, uh, I mean, just having a good healthy meal. Mm. I think that's the general perception of me. You know, like someone who's like sporty, someone Mm. who is positive in my mindset. I do truly feel appreciated when people come up to me and tell me that you spend a lot of time with your parents despite your busy schedule and I want to do that for my own parents. So I thought that was really precious to me because I grew up in a rather poor, very, uh, I would say I don't have many things in life back then. Mm. I think, but that was the best that my parents could afford me. Mm. And when I first started my business, I would never forget how much my parents have loaned me in order Mm. for me to start my businesses. And, you know, I think it was a huge chunk of their savings and they were like, it's okay if you lose it. But it's paid off, yeah, for them as well. Uh, I 
think so. <laughs> you know, I think they, they're always complaining that I spend a lot of time at my work and they hardly see me at home. <laughs> Charles, you got to tell us what's your personal goal in life right now? My personal goal in life right now is to be able to age gracefully mm-hmm. in terms of not just about how I look or how I feel, but I would say how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Because graceful living encompasses the people around me. I want to live a fruitful and long life so that I'm able to be in that position to elevate the lives of people around me, people who work for me, people who trust me. So I think that has become a secondary motivation besides career-wise to have sustainable business models. Mm. So I thought that was extremely important because I think it came to a point where one of the staff came to me. He's now in his uh, early 60s. He told me, he said, as long as you are around, I will work for you till the day that I die. Wow. So I think it meant a lot to me because Mm. he was someone that doesn't open up very easily. He came to me and he told me that it's good that you spend so much time with your parents because your parents only have you. Mm. So I felt that was something very precious and it really dawned on me that if I were to have that kind of influence on someone else's life, I think the least I could do for them is to take better care of myself so I'll be mentally able to be able to lend a helping hand to them whenever they need me to. Mm-hmm. I think that's my personal goal in life. And Charles, if there is a philosophy that you believe in, what's that philosophy? Well, I believe that everyone is born with a base character. Mm-hmm. We can't choose that sometimes. But I think that if there's something that we want for ourselves, we want to improve, we should go ahead and just do it. And when that becomes your second nature, that would be what I call character development. And that will always be my philosophy in life, to develop my own character and to always move forward. So I think that will be my philosophy in life. Thank you very much, Charles, for being on my show. Charles from Lean Bento and, of course, uh, Folk Skincare. Thank you very much, Simon. The voice of Charles Ng, owner and founder of Lean Bento and Folk Skincare, giving inspiration on episode 34 of the Sensitive Man podcast. Well, if you'd like to find out more about Lean Bento, visit www.leanbento.com. It's L-E-A-N for lean and B-E-N-T-O for bento. www.leanbento.com. And Charles had also shared about his other business, Folk Skincare. So check out the website site www.folkskincare.com it's f-o-l-k-e for folk and the word skincare www.folkskincare.com and i'll include the links on the text portion of this podcast including the social media links for lean bento and folk skincare well we can always learn from different individuals about life you know it's hearing inspirational stories about people who have successfully transformed their lives people like charles ng that should make you think, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. It's about being inspired and believing in yourself. And I'm also going to leave you with a quote. This comes from the famous American poet and author Maya Angelou. She once said, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Unquote. This is Sam Lim and thanks for listening to The Sensitive Man Podcast. The Sensitive Man 
The Sensitive Man is a production of SPH Radio. I'm Simon Lim, your host and producer for this podcast. Special thanks to Joseph McDade for the music. You can also find this show on iTunes, Google Podcast, and streaming on Google Home. And now you can listen to the Sensitive Man podcast on audio, A-W-E-D-I-O for audio. Visit audio.sg.